Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. While I was away, being busy, um, I I really um, wanted to continue talking about the anointing. I think that there's a lot of words in the kingdom that this generation hasn't heard. You know, it's funny today, Cece sent me a clip of R.W. Schambach. And how many have ever heard of him? Look, there's like five. And he was literally, I think this clip she sent me was at a church I used to go to, and he was preaching down the house, and he was talking about how women carried the seed of God's Word, but now man, men won't let women carry the Word of God from their mouth. And so I heard that when I was a kid, of course, and so that's why I am what I am now, because I believed what he said. And part of being anointed is being like that. Knowing what God has told you. Knowing what your assignment is and believing it above all else. And the enemy don't play fair. And he's got you in his sights. And I want to talk tonight a little bit about the difference between condemnation and conviction. Interesting enough that... Oh, gosh. Let's read it. I can tell you all need it to be real serious. <laughs> and if you have a chance, Romans 8 is a powerful chapter. In fact, if you're a new Christian or you're an old Christian or you're not yet a Christian or you're contemplating being a Christian, Romans 8 would set you free. Romans 8 houses the mission statement of one life. If you wonder what we're doing here, it's in Romans 8. And the first thing it says is it says the case is closed. From God's perspective, from what Paul was writing to the Romans, he was saying, you know, used to, Romans 5, used to, I didn't know what I was doing. That is not a description of the Christian life. The Christian life, you know his voice. Now, whether you hear his voice, I mean, whether you obey his voice is different. You can hear him. That's the beautiful part of actually accepting Christ is that you then were invited to the voice of God in your ear. What a privilege. Say it to yourself. What a privilege. And so Paul is saying now in Romans 8 that the case is closed. There remains absolutely no more accusing voice. Right? There's no more in the Amplified. It says, now there is absolutely in God no more condemnation. Come on. How many have felt condemned today? How many felt condemned? Come on, be honest, be honest. How many felt condemned today? That's not God. That's the beautiful thing. But let me tell you something really weird. Is that the Holy Spirit actually uses conviction. And if you're not careful, you will have spent your whole life living underneath condemnation that when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, you won't be able to discern it. And see, this generation doesn't want to hear that God has a standard. 
We want to make up, guess where we make up our standard from? What are we using as the instrument of the standard, of the hierarchy, of the one who says our own soul? You are. I don't know if you believe me. Your own soul. And the craziest thing about this generation is we don't want anyone telling us what to do because I found it on Google. We don't want any accountability because you're controlling. And we don't want any conviction because you're, con- you're condemning me. But it's the tool that the Holy Spirit uses. And see, if I know everybody in this room doesn't want to be anointed, and I'm not talking to you. But for everybody in this room like me, who yearns, craves, can't live, cannot make a decision without the anointing. What is the anointing? The power and presence of Almighty God. The reason that humanity was left on earth was to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and anointed by Him. That's the reason you're on the planet. And the whole entire time you're on the planet, the Holy Spirit is trying to transform you into a little Jesus. That's why he demonstrated and left a word that's been alive a little bit longer than you've been on the planet. Living and breathing and active that still comes true today. He left it on the planet so we would know this is what I can do as a human being. I no longer have to live as a victim to my own soul. I no longer have to act like my soul could create a standard that looked like God's. I realize the only way to live by God's standard is for that soul of mine to die. How often? Every day. Every morning, that should be the first thing you say when you wake up. I am going to die to myself today, right now. Your choice. Your choice. But if you don't want to be anointed, choose whatever you want to choose. Because why? The anointing requires that we live by the standard that God prescribes in His Word. I don't even want to pick some other choice. Why would I? It's not guaranteed funding. It's not guaranteed purpose. It's not guaranteed power. It's not guaranteed anointing. It's just guaranteed that I'll feel like I have my my own way for a moment. And guess what your own way creates? Guess what your own way creates? (laughs) <laughs> you know I have this privilege of leading a lot of people into a deep deep inner healing you know Lynn when I met her she said to me we basically these words will you transfer your anointing to me she didn't have good language for it she said I want to be your Elisha and I was like I'm not Elijah but I knew what she knew. I knew what she wanted. I knew what she needed. Because why? God has called her to be a prophet to the nations. So a prophet needs an apostolic covering. A prophet needs, this is the prophet, the finger, because it points the way, but this is the apostle. Everybody in here who thinks they have a prophetic calling, this is your position right here. You don't get to point. I'm sorry, it's just God's prescribed way. Another thing that God said, I have all these plans. Don't you, can you imagine being God? And he's like, man, I've got so many plans. I've got plans, I'm going to make humans. They're going to come down, they're going to love me, fulfill all their excitement. And they're like, hey, I think I would rather be scuzzy. (laughs) 
homeless, naked, destitute, completely in fear, can't sleep, can't eat, underweight, overweight, controlling. That's what we would rather do. And he's like, wait, do you know what I have? I have all promise. I made you. I know why you are the way you are. We're all like, someone know me. Let me marry someone and they'll know me. And that, they're saying the same thing. And no one gets to know no one. Because no one dies. In the kingdom, that's what it's like. Jesus is the bridegroom. God intended for humanity to be his bride. And he intended that humanity would want to make herself ready for this loving, amazing bridegroom. And that she would willingly, easily, with excitement and passion and enthusiasm, say, I live my life to serve the king who's coming for me. And that's where anointings burst. It's burst when my desire matches up with the anointing giver. When I act like I get to just change my desire and I get to find one of y'all or somebody out there to come and meet my desire and then I'm like, and I want God's power. Well, you, do you see? It's so simple, isn't it, to see. Okay, but all those 5,000 other steps have been missed. And I am telling you, I prophesied this before I knew Pam, but I've said it a whole lot since knowing Pam. I've known Pam for 30 years that God was going to raise up drug dealers, prostitutes. I don't know if we have any of those in here. <laughs> Some of y'all kind of. I don't You can be honest. Orphans. People who don't have any idea what they are doing on the planet, and they're going to stand in pulpits across the world and prophesy. Because God is going to transform them. And see, in my lifetime, that's what He's doing. This church, this thing we're doing called church, we're the church, this meeting, this training, this I am imploring you, to believe that you are on the planet for a reason that you're probably not yet doing. And that God is setting you up to be trained to do something greater than you can imagine in your little tiny orphan mind. And it's not meant for you to alter yourself. You can poke it, paint it, do something with it. But at the end of the day, when it's all stripped away, it's still going to be you and God. He's going to say, this is all he's going to say. All he's going to say, did you do what I said? Did you do what I said? You know, God is so opposite of scary. If you feel like God is scary, you have some weird definition of a demon calling himself God in your life. Did you know? I mean, it's weird when a demon masquerades as God. See, that's what happened to Lenny. Lenny had to forgive God. I remember where I was. I remember where I was. When I was sitting with her and I said, you've got to forgive God. Now, see, in my upbringing, that sounded sacrilegious. Why? Because that 
religious spirit hates joy. That religious spirit loves mopey, hardworking, come on, one day you'll attain it kind of posture. I heard a testimony the other day about these guys that were raised Nazarene and they got filled with the Holy Spirit and the people in the Nazarene church said, you must leave. Because why? Everybody else didn't want the Holy Spirit. Poor Holy Spirit. I mean, do you ever feel sorry for the... Listen, the indicator that your conversion took... That you really got saved is that you're then the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's it. He took up residence, he's not a visitor. Yes. Have you ever had somebody come in? You know, we've been doing this remodeling and they finished their part yesterday. Where's the cleaners? Where's the cleaner? Look at her back there, Haley. We're ready to clean now. This is a good day. We're ready to clean, right? But we've been in utter chaos. And it's interesting how our souls react in chaos. I try to warn everyone. I said words like, it's going to be crappy and messy and dirty and loud. I tried. I tried to warn them. But living in it. It's really been an extremely short amount of time in Pam and I's world. Like, it's shockingly a miracle that we have this whole room. My little scout, I have to tell another story. My little scout, she has found her way to oversee the entire backyard from the stairs. She loves a good stairs. And there's things out in that yard she wants. She doesn't want to go outside. She just sits at the window now and whines. The window is 12 feet in the air. She gets up on the sill. She can't get back down. We have a, do you see? We have a problem. And so think about it. When that chaos is happening, there's something in us. I know it's hard to believe, but there's something in us God's developing. What's he developing? He's developing an inward trust in him. If you're yielding. Remember, I'm talking to people who want the anointing. People who want the anointing, they want to pay the price fast. They want to pay it often. They don't really count how much it is. You know, whenever you pray those prayers like, God, let me win the lottery. My whole life would change. Roman 8 will help you. The Holy Spirit goes to Jesus and he says, let's don't do that. Because they're not ready for that much blessing. They haven't even learned to give yet, sacrificially. They think it's an inconvenience. They don't know what's bread and what's seed. There's so much that just handing that over to them would create another trajectory of their life. And see, people who want the anointing, they don't want to do that. That's why they come to somebody and say, hey, here's an opportunity I have. Does this sound like God? And and you either say, yeah, it sounds like God or absolutely not. Because if you want to be, does anybody want to be 
a prophet. Does anybody want, I mean, that's part of what God said you could be. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't like uh, you, yes, you, no, definitely not. No, yeah, you, no, 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 no. The rest of them, no. That's not how he works. Your assignment came pre-installed before you were birthed. Think about God lives outside of time. Can you, I know. We don't even know what that means. So that means on a scope of what God wants to do, I just look at it as a big moving circle. And he goes, yep, you now, yep, you now. Because why? He's intersecting us with something transformative. Listen, on God's heart every day for you is to change your mind about him. See, I believe God dreams of a day where you would raise your children to know Him over the world system so they won't have to be transformed. They will be living in it every day. But guess what? If you're a parent and you're not transformed, they will have to get healing from you. Um, Almost everybody in here is doing better at parenting than they were parented. Can you get a little? I know it's not all worked out perfect. <laughs> Come on, I know where Lynn lived. I know what Cece lived in. Oh, I know what she did. Oh, I know where. Bro- oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. I don't know. None of y'all are living like you were parented. Well, there's one for God. That should say something about your time on the planet, about that this is your time. Otherwise, you would be back in North Carolina or wherever, huddling under everybody else, doing the same thing they did before. But you're not. North Dakota, wherever. Greece. What else you got? You're not there. You're not there because God plucked you out. You didn't have anything to do with it. 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 I know you think you did. Remember all those fun choices. See, here's what, here's, here's what I believe. You don't have to believe this. It's okay. We can disagree. I believe that you have nothing to do with God plucking you out. But to mature has all to do with what you choose. That's why he said, I set before you life and death. I set before you. I was talking to Jared the other day and I said, listen, dude. I can see you. (laughs) Before you ever came. And I got this plan that God put in my heart. I don't know if you got one, but I got one. And it's just like walking on these squares. Will you stay on the square long enough? Because what do we want to do? What do we want? What is human nature? What do we want to do? I mean, we get two ounces of truth and we think we know everything. Listen, the longer I walk in the anointing, the less I know I know. It's really not about your personal knowledge. 
It's really about how fast and how easy you say yes to God. And see, God doesn't ever do things that doesn't protect the anointing. See, when we're rescuers, when we're all kinds of other names, when we want to do something different, then we get outside the anointing. We do more outside the anointing than we do to protect the anointing. When God first talked to me about bringing all this about the anointing, the first thing he said was, you're going to have to teach them how to protect the anointing. I haven't even got to that yet. It's just kind of, it's out there. Because why? This generation doesn't know anything about boundaries with God. I learned boundaries in my lifetime. It wasn't a thing. Everybody was running over everybody's boundaries. Everyone, we could raise our hands, who's been harmed? Anybody in here been hurt in life? Anyone at all? Everyone, I know there's a lot of non-participators, but everyone has been hurt. It's not an indicator of anything except for there's an enemy living on the earth with you. An enemy of you and an enemy of God. He was God's enemy way before he became your enemy. And so he loves to counterfeit God. He loves to give you wrong definitions. He loves to make you live in condemnation. And so then when the Holy Spirit comes, now see, here's the Holy Spirit. He's loving. Have you ever driven, do you remember driving and how there was a lot of stuff you had to think about? You know, you had to think about the signal light. Have you ever, when you first started learning to drive, I know you don't do this anymore, but you actually pulled out in front of somebody? Well, how does that make you feel? Has anybody ever had a wreck? Now, I've never had a wreck, so I don't know what that feels like. Anybody ever had a wreck? That don't feel good, does it? And what are you thinking right in that moment? You thinking, what an idiot they are? <laughs> Who's got the, they're all idiots out there? You got that? Yeah, okay. Most of us are like, oh, man. Shouldn't have been looking at my phone. Surely you're not looking at your phone while driving, right? That was just, I got that little plug in. Pulled up beside Bailey yesterday. She's sitting at the stoplight. And we're there for a good couple minutes. Honking, screaming, bumping our, I mean, just waving wildly. This is what we got right here. never, ever looked over. She had other people in the car. They were doing the same thing. They were sucked in. They were like, they were literally inside of the phone. They could not see. See, that's what happens is that we, we lose sight of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Our awareness wanes because what's, what's happening? Something in our soul wants to be God. That's why the Holy Spirit in your soul can't live at the same time. Your soul has got to learn to be trained. Remember girls went, no, y'all remember, but we got those bangs back, you know, and they, they said well, all we had to do was train them. I'm like, how do you train that? This is what it does without anything. Train those to look like fair faucet bangs. See, they know what I'm talking about. Jack Boone, did you get the fair faucet bangs? <laughs> Listen, it's really about simple things. Dying to your own way. So that Holy, the Holy Spirit can use conviction to train you. 
because there's no more condemnation in God. But if we're not careful, the conviction of God will come and will defend our right to be right. What, what happens right there? So here comes the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit use a lot of times? If you ever read the Word, He'll use the Word. But if you don't read the Word, He'll use people. Because why? The weird thing about the things of the Spirit is they have to operate in community. Yes. They have to operate in unity. And if you can't unify with your wife, you're not going to be able to unify at work. You're not going to be able to unify in a church. You're not going to be able to unify on a team. You just won't. Because that's the first level. Now, if you're single, then God always puts you in a hub, if you're willing. Now, what we do is we look for people outside the godly arena. And we're like, I have connected over here with someone that, and, and they don't know God. And you're, you're not. You're not. That's still your soul. Your soul's getting satisfied. And see, the anointing requires us to live by Romans 8. Let's read it, shall we? So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Who did it? You had no part in that. What is your part? Yes, Jesus. That's your part. Your part is yes, Jesus. The power to change is from Him. That's why if you try to change on your own, you will fail. You will fail. You will fail. Apart from God, you will fail. With God, you can do the impossible. It's impossible to change you on your own. That's the impossible he was talking about. But with God, everything's possible. It says, for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. There it is right there. God told a standard. He told it to a bunch of humans. It's all throughout the Word. The Old Testament is a whole story of God telling His law to a bunch of humans and using all kinds of people to display it, say it, got a well and a Jonah in it, got all kinds of ways to what? Display that I have a way. I created the earth, he said, and I have a way. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Now you don't want to do that. I'll make another way. And so that other way leads to something. And when you get down there, all crapped out, you're like, God, where are you? Back there. Where he said he was. Yes. He can't change. Yes. Yeah. He, can't, he can't go against himself. Why would he? He's God. So human nature was what made the standard impossible. So God was like, whoa. I can keep saying it. Whoa, look what they're doing now. Oh, I can't even look at that. I know what I'll do. I'll send a Savior. 
to do what you can't do in your human nature. Trust me, every human being I've ever talked to, and I've talked to a lot, would do it without God if they could. And then they'd go, I did it. I did it my way. That's what they would sing. The biggest obstacle you have in life is your way. The thing empowered by God is Yahweh's way. Not your way. So he's telling us, but yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness. That's why he became a man, clothed with humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God, the father, could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. That's why there's no condemnation anymore, because God satisfied it with Jesus. Don't be acting like you need another kind of way for a savior to happen. But that same feeling, have you done anything wrong recently? You know, once, once you come into a true surrendered relationship with God, the thing that proves that it's true is that you desire to please him. Yeah. No one needs to come to you and say, you need to please God. Yeah. You want to because you know you'll crap your life out without him. Yeah. So you want to. But then, the, see, the great thing about God is he's, He always intersects you with someone that can help you. But the enemy always has an intersection with someone that can hurt you. Because he's a counterfeiter. It's really easy to see. The people that God set you up with tell you truth. And you get mad, as Joyce Meyer would say. You get mad. How many know that someone's told you truth and you got mad? Wow, that's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. I almost got everybody to participate on that. <laughs> Why? Why? Why are we not going, thank you. Thank you for telling me truth like I've been living my own way. For so thank you. Why? Why are we not doing that? What's happening in there? Oh, my gosh. My way is still alive. It is alive and well. I'm gonna be, I think I'll just be mad at you for a couple of days. And I'll decide how long. If I'm an introvert, I'll go paint on my mosaic. I'm in here with my turtle. Thinking, look how pretty that is. If you're an extra, you're mad at everybody and nobody. Oh, sorry. Your tone. What's wrong with your tone? Right? We are, what, what are we reacting to? Well, our soul is reacting to truth. If my soul has died, truth sets me free. If my soul hasn't died, I'm mad. I'm mad that you found me out. Isn't it weird when we are under condemnation, we really think hiding something makes it hidden? <laughs> Sorry, that was really good. Sorry, that was so good. Isn't it true, though? Come on, how many have been hiding? You've hid something, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. It's not hiding. Everybody knows it. Right? And so 
that's what Romans 8 is telling us. It's saying, listen, all of that activity, it is so useless. The easy button, the easy road is realizing what Jesus did to what? Free you. All that God did was because he loved. And all that God did was because you're not free without him. Now you can live, you can find somebody to live at some random orphan level of freedom. Anybody ever been there? And you're like, birds of a feather flock together. And you're just like, yeah, we're free. I mean, we're cool to get us. We're cool, you know? And then the weird thing is that it is not sustainable. There comes a day where you're like, I can't sleep. I'm anxious. My life's falling apart. Decisions aren't working. Oh, I keep having that wreck. I keep having that wreck. Keep having that wreck. Keep having that wreck. Keep having How many went on the three, four, or five wreck syndrome? Where's Kay? Why? We keep making those stupid choices. Why? Because our soul has to be satisfied. If you run every decision down the road, if, you're, if you have enough courage, go all the way back where that door got open, where you stepped right through the door and said, yep, that's what I'm going to do right there. I'm going to stand on that square. That's what I'm doing. I'm standing on that square. I'm on that square. I'm on that square. I chose to be on that square. And you go back and look why. It all comes from a lie. It all comes from a lie. And so at some point, if you hang in there with God, someone with enough courage will tiptoe over near your square and go, do you know where you're at? And then they'll be like, I had no idea. I cannot tell you how many times I've had that conversation right there. Uh, I mean, Judy and I had it just yesterday. I tiptoed over to her little square and I went, do you know where you're at? Now at her level, it's just like a little, that's how much we tweaked right there. And today, man, it was just freedom all over the place. Somebody else is like, uh, okay, no, they're not interested in that. And then come, oh, they, they can stay there for years on that one square, stuck, like Chuck, right there on that, right there, just stuck. Let's go on. So now every righteous requirement, whoo, isn't that good, of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. What? That's the best verse ever. Every requirement from who? The guy, the creator, the one who gets to say, quit acting like you get to say. You don't get to say. You didn't make this breath. You did. I don't think you could study your whole life and I don't think you could make a whole body. Uh, maybe you got a 3D printer. I don't know what you got. You, I don't think any of y'all can make a whole body. That breathes and moves and animates and poops and pees and eats. I don't think you could. Does, does anyone think they could? I don't think so. I don't think that's in the cards. I don't think that there's somebody out there going, man, we got a scientific breakthrough. We can make an entire human being. We can make blood vessels. We can make some of those scientific things. I don't know what they're called. No, no one's doing that. We're doing some subpar thing with what already has been created. Agreed? Yes. 
So that's what he's saying. Every requirement from the guy who made everything has already been fulfilled through Jesus. And we're free to live. Not according to the flesh. That will, that stubborn, old, you've been getting your way a long time. I just wish y'all would come and say, what's it look like to not get my way in my personal life? I could tell you. And man, we could, man, we could go somewhere fast. But no, it's kind of like, I see this. You're like, yeah, I don't think I really want to deal with that. Okay. Yeah. Well, we just want to deal with such a, we're just so fragile. Don't tell me I've done anything wrong because someone done me wrong song and I'm on verse 27 and I want to keep singing this song. And it's like, well, everyone has that song. So who is going to not care that you have that song? Who is going to say, I could care less that I have that song because I want to be anointed. I want to step into the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to be aware of His presence so that when I walk into somebody's house, I can tell them who the Holy Spirit is. And see, this awareness comes from establishing Him. As who he is. You may not decide to do it today, but the day you do, he will still be the same. The day that you give up your prodigalness, he will still be a standard. He will still be the same. He will still be the fixed point. And and see, when I realize my life is on my own, my time is short, my time is now. I would wake up every day and say this. Oh, good morning, Holy Spirit. First off, I just want to say, my life is not mine. And this is my time. And so even if I have to change every single thing I'm doing that I think is right. I love Pam. When I got to know her, this is what she said. She said, I just rake it all off the table. Every bit of it. I would do my computer, but we got to save that. I just rake it all off. I start over with God. That that made her process not be a 25-year process. See, what makes our process so long is I got to keep some stuff. I got to keep some stuff of my own. And now, God, you work around all of this stuff I believe. Come on, Mendon. He can't do it. So good. Man, don't you love the topic of the anointing? Isn't that awesome just to hear about the concept that supernatural power and ability is available to you? You know, I find that in these um, services, when we talk about the anointing, if you're in a relatively good place, you know, that day, then you're like, yes, I'm going to do that. Every morning from now on, we start making a plan. You know, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to say, hello, Holy Spirit. My life is yours. And we, we plan to implement everything that she's talked about, right? Well, what I've experienced personally is that that goes great for maybe a day or so, you know, maybe a week or two if you're doing really well. And then pressures of life come in or some sort of pain happens or some sort of fear comes in and you're under tension in that moment because... You want to keep doing the, receive the benefits and all the gloriousness of the, of the sound of the, of being anointed. But then you've got something that's urgent. 
urgently pressing on you, causing pain, causing fear. And that is in the in that moment is when I tend to be pressured to just resort back to my own ways. Because we hear about how incredible the anointing is because it says that we can be purposeful in the kingdom. We can be powerful in the kingdom. We can affect people. We can boldly walk into someone's home and tell them to who the Holy Spirit is. And it sounds great and grand, but we underestimate what actually comes with the anointing. We underestimate that we are actually spiritual beings and the anointing is the spiritual supernatural empowerment to be who you were made to be. So I am in a season where I know God is trying to strengthen me in this area to recognize that the anointing actually is for my benefit and protection and everything. It's having all access to the fullness of the Godhead to me all day long, not just when I really want to be purposeful, not just when I really want to, you know, be powerful for the kingdom, but even in those moments where fear comes in and pressure comes in. And so I had a couple of dreams that I just connected the dots on recently. So at the beginning of the month or a few days into this month of April, I had a dream that there were two different kinds of bees or wasps and they were extra big. They were larger than your average bee or wasp. And one of them had a yellow stinger and one of them had a yellow and black stinger. And that represented um, fear and intellectual pride and sin, darkness, death, things like that. And these bees would sting people in a certain order. And there was this widespread sickness across the planet. And I had discovered somehow, I just knew that it was because the bees stung you in a certain order that is what was causing the sickness. But, uh, but the majority of the population had underestimated these bees. They were like, oh, they're just bees. Yeah, it hurts, but, you know, they're bees. What can you do? And so I was trying to, I had sort of been, it had been revealed to me that there was a strategy of the enemy to do, sting you in a certain order. And it was directly connected to this widespread sickness on the earth. And so I was telling, saying, we've got to tell people, we've got to tell people. But I needed a strategy for how to kill the bees, okay? And because I was like, well, there's two of them. There's two of them in the room. If I kill, try to squash one of them, the other could come up and sting me. So I was in this war of like, well, what? I need a strategy. And so by the end of the dream, I still didn't have a strategy for how to kill these. But I knew we needed to, and we needed to get the word out about these. So then just a couple nights ago, I had another dream. I'd kind of forgotten about that one. had another dream. And in this dream, I walked outside into the backyard. And when I walked outside, there were tons of people all around. It was a rather chaotic environment, which is to me very, very stressful and not pleasant for me at all. It would be like a threat for me to be that chaotic. And so I walk out and this little bird came and landed on my hand. And I was just amazed that this bird came, landed and remained on my hand. And so I was just walking around, you know, in awe that this bird was here. So what is another story that we've heard of, of a bird coming, landing, and remaining? The dove, right? It's the Holy Spirit. It represents the anointing on Jesus. The dove came, landed on Jesus, and it remained on him. So I knew that that's what that meant in the dream. So I had the, the anointing on my hand, it landed there, and it stayed with me. Well, and so I'm, I'm kind of just standing there amazed at it, right? That's the, that's the part of uh, what I was describing as, oh, the anointing is beautiful and wonderful, and I want to give my all to it, and I'm going to make this new plan, right? It was beautiful. 
Loved it. Very pleasant. Well, then a wasp came around and was flying all around me, and it ended up landing on my right hand. And I was like, oh, no, I like this thing's going to about to sting me. I didn't want to move too erratically because I didn't want to startle the bird and make the bird leave. So I was trying to like holler at these people around me and say, like, you know, help me get this wasp off, get this wasp up. There was too much chaos going on. Nobody could help me. So real quick, what does the wasp represent? The wasp represents in a dream things that are painful um, and inflicting something poisonous. It can mean a demonic attack. Call it whatever you want. Fear, it's not good, right? We can all agree a wasp stinging you is not going to be a symbol of something good. So in that moment, nobody was coming to my rescue to help me. And all of a sudden, I had this idea. And I just took the bird and I put it up to the other hand where the wasp was. And the bird just ate it. The bird ate the wasp. And it was gone. Like I had already felt the stinger start to go into my hand. And I looked at my hand and was like, it's gone. Like there's no mark left on me. It was the coolest dream, right? The anointing ate the thing that came to harm me. The anointing took care of it. I didn't have to walk. I didn't have to walk away from the bird. I didn't have to fling it off so that I could go to work on this wasp. You know, I didn't have to do anything. That was actually the empowerment to handle the thing of pain or fear that had come in in that moment. Now, a few minutes later in the dream, apparently the the bird was no longer on my hand. But this man. Um, I, because of all the chaos, I knew that no one had even seen this amazing thing that had just gone down, right? But a, a few minutes later, this man started walking to me from across the yard, and he had picked up this feather, and he was just looking at me straight in the eyes, and I knew it had to be Jesus. And he came up to me, and I just knew he had seen what happened, what had happened, and he handed me this feather that was obviously from the bird, like it matched the bird, you know? And he was like, you're going to want this. Like, and it, there was this sense that he was telling me, just remember, remember what just took place. You are going to want to remember this. And so I felt like that was Jesus and the Holy Spirit saying, hey, we are prepared to battle for you. We are prepared to take care of the things that cause you fear, that cause you pain, that trigger you to want to walk away from the things that lead to the anointing, the things that that we are prepared to take care of the things that that make you feel like the dealing with the pain or going into self-protection is the priority in that moment. You don't have to walk away from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to walk away from his training in order to deal with those things in your life that are that feel like a threat to you because the Holy Spirit and the anointing will actually just eat the thing, just eat it up, and it will not even leave a mark. So that dream was really, really encouraging to me, and I love the fact that the Holy Spirit said, you're going to need a strategy for how to deal with these bees. And then I had to wait almost two weeks, I think it was. And then he gave me the strategy. He gave the strategy. So I feel like this was a really strong emphasis from the Holy Spirit for us and in partnership with the series that Tisa has been on about the anointing. So I hope that will stick in your mind and your memory as you go out into the rest of your week about what the what actually comes with the full partnering with and submission to the Holy Spirit and the anointing. You will actually satisfy every single need you have, every desire, every need. 
So, Papa, we just thank you today. Excuse me. We thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are the fullness of the fullness of the Godhead has been provided to us, not just in part, but the fullness, the full access and power, supernatural power of your very spirit has been made accessible to us to fill us up, to fuel us, to prepare us, to, to fight our battles for us, to propel us forward, to give us strategies and wisdoms to comfort our pain, comfort our, the things that we experience in life. And so I just thank you for all that you've provided, and I thank you for placing people in our lives around us to remind us of all that is available when we submit to you, when we make ourselves available to you, when we seek you, when we ask you questions, when we ask you for help, when we invite you into the everyday matters of our lives. I thank you that you are highlighting for us right now that this anointing of the Holy Spirit is not just for when you're at a church function or in a church role or just because you want some position in a ministry, but it's for just life everyday life because you are one of his kids. So we thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We just say yes to you tonight. We say yes to you. And we just give you our yes in terms of going out into the days ahead that we will partner with you in the ways you invite us into moments of either yielding to your ways, of um, having an opportunity to, opportunity to ask you for wisdom and discernment and how to deal with something. And those moments that we have to yield to someone else speaking into our lives. So we thank you. We just say we love you. We love you. We love you so much. It's in your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.